Pastor Colleen is at the back. If the children would like to receive their Bible boxes from her, she'll meet you back there. In a couple of moments, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And so if you feel free to open your Bibles there now, and um, in a couple of moments, you can join with me. As I studied the lectionary text for this morning, I was struck by the example that was provided to us by the Magi in today's story. And I could not help but contrast their actions with my own actions and with the way that our culture celebrates Christmas. Today is the 11th day of the Christmas season. We're not even out of Christmas yet. And yet, how many of us and how much of our world has moved on, rushed on, really, to the next thing? The next task, next party, next trip, next event, or next obligation? And how was Christmas? Was it a fulfilling of the long-expected arrival of God in our midst? Or was it perhaps a time with too much to do and not enough time in which to do it. A time of being carried along in the chaotic rushing of the world around us. We're only six weeks into this new Christian year that began at the beginning of Advent. If you're anything like me, those weeks were probably not really a shining example of prayerful expectation and anticipation of God's activity in our world. Instead, they were probably busy stressful, maybe a little disorganized and preoccupied. This morning's sermon is titled, The Magi, Their Gifts, and a Visit. But I've subtitled it, Adventures in Missing the Point versus Adventures in Paying Attention. Just as the entire Advent and Christmas seasons have given us these two examples, we see them again today. And it's up to us which group we are going to join. So will you join with me in reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Please pray with me. God of Revelation, as we gather in praise for the gracious mystery of your Son, guide us on the path of salvation. That the radiance and power of your Holy Spirit working in the world will lead us to offer you worship and proclaim your splendor. Amen. The Christmas narratives tell us the stories of the people of God as God comes to meet them. These are the stories of unexpected people who receive God's grace. These are the, quote, wrong people being used by God and responding to God's call. And all of this happens while the, quote, right people, the leaders, the priests, the teachers, miss what is happening. In case you need a quick refresher, Mary and Joseph are both poor and they're not married. But when God appears and says that he will come into the world through their family, they say yes. In contrast, their arrival in Bethlehem is greeted by innkeeper after innkeeper, with the Son of God literally being born in their presence, turning away Jesus in the middle of their crowded lives. Then we have the shepherds, the outcasts of society, in the fields with their sheep, who are greeted by an angel proclaiming the Lord's birth. They get up, they leave their flocks and their fields, and they go find this baby who is the Savior, the Christ. The rest of the city of Bethlehem, the leaders, the business people, the elders, everyone else, miss the proclamation as they go about their lives. Last week, we remembered the faithfulness of the widow Anna and the man Simeon. These two were both constantly waiting for the Lord to appear among them. They were attentive and watching. Simeon was able to prophesy about Jesus, and Anna spoke and taught about Jesus to those in the temple when she saw him. Meanwhile, the temple leadership did exactly what they needed to do to circumcise Jesus and purify Mary and Joseph. But they missed God in their midst in the temple. Our scripture this morning is another opportunity to follow God's faithful ones as they follow Jesus. Or it's a chance to miss what God is doing. In Matthew 2, the Magi are faithful, while Herod, the chief priests of the people, and the scribes, the Jerusalem leadership of Israel, miss what God is doing. So let's look at them a little more closely. Who are these Magi? Magi are the priestly caste of other nations, of Persia, of Midian, many other areas. They speak prophetically. They act as advisors to the kings and leaders. They teach with wisdom, and they practice divination. At various times in the Old Testament, the Magi, or the sorcerers or magicians, as they might be called in the stories, are actually the ones who are working against God. We see this in the case of Moses, when the sorcerers and magicians of Pharaoh are the ones battling against Aaron and Moses as God seeks to free his people. At other times in the Old Testament, these magi are shown 
really just to be powerless in comparison to God. This is the case with Joseph and with Daniel. When these foreign rulers have called in their own magi to interpret the dreams that these leaders have been given, and they're unable to. And so in the face of their powerlessness, God reveals through his servants Daniel and Joseph the true meanings of the dreams. Given this pattern of the magi of the nations falling short and being powerless against God, we wouldn't really say that they're the most likely or perhaps the correct people to be among the first worshipers of the young Jesus. They are wrong. They're not Israelite. They're not Jewish religious leaders. They don't even really know where to find this king that they're searching for. So everything about the Magi seems wrong. But maybe by now in the story, we should actually be expecting God to do the unexpected. And as I studied, I saw just how much the Magi actually have right. These men are paying attention, first of all. In a time when the skies guided everything from travel to weather to the future, the Magi had taken the time necessary to learn the skies. They were practiced enough that when a new star appeared, they knew the star was different. And they were watching and paying attention so that when they saw the star in its rising, they know it's significant. What about their arrival in Jerusalem? These magi are not locals. There's debate of whether they come from Arabia, Syria, Babylon. All we know is they come from the east. But no matter where they come from, we know they've undertaken quite a journey. It's presumably taken them up to two years based on the time frame that we read in verse 16 of how far back Herod goes in killing the baby boys. This journey is not a simple trek for them, and yet they make it anyway. In Matthew, the Magi are actually the first ones to worship the child Jesus. And Matthew uses the word for worship that he reserves only for worship of God, not for honoring of a leader. Their search is fulfilled in joy, and it culminates in both worship and in giving whatever gifts they have to offer. Their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to this child. The Magi are obedient. They're not swayed by the power of Herod. And when God reveals to them that they need to go home a different way, they don't question that or debate the power and the danger of disobeying the leader. They obey God instead. Finally, the Magi are the literal fulfillment of the prophecy that the nations will come to Israel to worship. In Isaiah 60, verses 4 to 6, the Lord tells Israel, Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. 
In the coming of the Magi, these words are fulfilled. The Magi come from the east. Shiva is also from the east. On the other side of this contrast between paying attention and missing the point, we have Herod, the chief priests of the people and the scribes. These are the right people, the people to approach about the coming of the Messiah or the birth of a new king of the Jews. But these are the people who miss the point. Herod is the Roman ruler over Israel. He had earned the throne not through being part of the lineage of David, but by appealing to Rome. He's actually a pretty dangerous ruler. He started his reign by massacring the whole Sanhedrin, which is Israel's ruling priests. And he did this when he took office. He's also pretty paranoid, worried about invading armies coming in. He's building palace after palace to set up a border about those who might take over his area. And Herod had taken on the title King of the Jews. When the Magi arrived, they go to the logical place. They went to the current King of the Jews to find the baby, who would be the next King of the Jews. Quite logically, Herod's son. And instead of receiving the news with joy, Herod is threatened by news because it's not his son, but another king. And perhaps he knows that he has no biological right to the throne. Perhaps he's just giving in to his fears and his own paranoia. But Herod calls the chief priests and the scribes, the experts in the law, to discover where the Messiah is to be born. The connection between king and Messiah is known to him and known to them. And so they quote Micah 5.2 and 2 Samuel 5.2. They say, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The leaders of Israel are also the, quote, right people. They have the knowledge of the location of the birth of the Messiah. They're able to inform Herod where to look. And yet... With that knowledge, they don't choose to go to Bethlehem and find this Messiah that they have just told Herod about. From verse 3, we learn that the Magi's news of the king of the Jews greatly disturbs Herod and all Jerusalem with him. These leaders know the Messiah is born. But in a foreshadowing of Jesus' death, they conspire with the Roman ruler instead of worshiping the Christ of God. Adventures in Missing the Point. So why this subtitle? Life is an adventure no matter what. God shows up in our world anyway, either through or in spite of our best efforts. Our lives are shaped by God, but many in this Christmas story miss the point. They're too busy with other tasks, too caught up in the midst of their own lives, too afraid, or too willing to bow to power. So God shows up, and they miss him. But God acts anyway, and some explore the adventure of paying attention to what God is doing. They end up with a very different life than the one they expected, like Mary and Joseph, 
who say yes to God. I highly doubt that they expected their life to look like what it did once Jesus arrived. Like Simeon and Anna, they, are God's, they see God's promises fulfilled in their midst. Like the shepherds, they're welcomed into the people of God with wide open arms. And if we follow the example of the Magi, they slow down. They study, wait, and search. They leave behind everything to search for a new king, to worship him and obey him. And as they do so, they are literally used by God to fulfill the prophecy about the nations coming to worship the Messiah and foreshadowing the coming mission to the Gentiles. Adventures in missing the point versus adventures in paying attention. I want to be one of those who pays attention. I want us to be those who pay attention. And to do so, we have to be people who are waiting in expectation, looking for God to show up. We have to be studied, knowing God's promises and God's teachings, so that we can recognize him when he comes among us. I expect that this might require us to change. We might need to study deeper in his word, intentional study, to know God's voice, his acts, and his promises. We likely need to break from the rushed pattern of our world to intentionally slow down and to look for God. And this takes time. We have to stop. Stop filling our time with busyness and rushing and instead be patient. This morning we will partake of communion. Before you come... Consider which adventure you are on, the adventure in missing the point or the adventure in paying attention. What might you need to change? Then allow communion to be a moment when you stop for a moment and at the Lord's table, you change what is necessary to join the Magi in the adventure of paying attention.